of love in need of mercy raining down from high above in need of strength in need of peace in need of things that only you can give to me in need of Christ the perfect lamb my refuge strong the great I am this is my song my humble plea I am your child I am in From high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. my song, my humble plea, I am your child, I am in need, in need of Christ, the perfect lamb, my refuge strong, the great I is my song, my humble plea. I am your child. I am in need. I am your child. I am in need. I am your child. I Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Good morning and welcome to this online service of worship at Christ Church Plano. Though the campus is closed, the Church of Jesus Christ is fully in operation. And though we are separated bodily, we are together in spirit and in worship this morning. We encourage you to share this online church service with your friends and your neighbors, as we know many are looking for a source of comfort and hope in the midst of these difficult times. We also encourage you to continue supporting financially the work of Christ Church Plano. If you haven't already gone online to set up your tithes and offerings that way or made a phone call to the church, we encourage you to do so as we continue to find creative and thoughtful ways of ministering to our world, our parish, and our community in this season. As we continue in worship now, let us pray together our collect for purity, saying together, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us sing together our opening hymn of praise.
Dearly beloved, the scriptures teach us to acknowledge our many sins and offenses, not concealing them from our Heavenly Father, but confessing them with humble and obedient hearts, that we may obtain forgiveness of his infinite goodness and mercy. We ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, but especially when we come together in his presence to give thanks for his great benefits that we've received at his hands, to declare his most worthy praise, to hear his most holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things which are necessary for our life and for our salvation. Therefore, draw near with me to the throne of heavenly grace. Praying together. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And now hear these words of comfort, forgiveness, and absolution. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, desires not the death of sinners, but that they may turn from their wickedness and live. He has empowered and commanded his ministers to pronounce to his people being penitent the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardons and absolves all who truly repent and genuinely believe his holy gospel. For this reason, we beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that our present deeds may please him, the rest of our lives may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to his eternal joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Please join me in reading Psalm 130. We will read responsively by half verse. Out of the deep have I called unto you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. O let your ears consider well the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, were to mark what is done amiss, O Lord, who could abide it? For there is mercy with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him. In his word is my trust. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, trust in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning with the 14th verse. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I now invite you to join us in our gradual hymn. gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, glory to you, Lord Christ. 
Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. For to the one who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him his serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we believe that you inspired Matthew to record these words of Jesus. We believe these words not only had power in the day that Matthew wrote them, but these words have power this day because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit. Open this word for us perhaps as never before that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ, more and more learning how to pray as Jesus teaches us to pray. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. How can we have confidence that God will hear us when we pray? In this season of crisis, we must, as the church, be reminded again of our most central vocation and calling to be people of prayer. But the problem is, so often, many Christians are confused about prayer. Does prayer really even work? If we're honest when it comes to prayer, many Christians are practical agnostics. Not really sure how prayer works. Not really sure whether God even hears. It's like the little boy who's offering prayer at uh, the family dinner table. And in a very loud voice at the end of the prayers for grace says, And I really, really want a bike. And the mother turns to her son and says, Son, God does not need you to yell to hear your prayers. And he said, maybe not, but grandma does. See, so often we can treat prayer like it's some sort of social exercise that maybe reminds us to be thoughtful. Maybe others hear our prayers and are affected. But do we believe that there is a God in heaven who actually hears our prayers and acts? Prayer is vital for every Christian. As Martin Luther once said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So how can we as the church have confidence that God hears us when we pray? Well, here's what this short passage in the Sermon on the Mount tells us about prayer. Here's the good news about prayer and about God hearing us. This text shows us that God hears us when we pray because God the Father has adopted us, first of all. But not only has he adopted us, God hears us when we pray because he adores us. He loves us. He actually wants to hear the prayers and petitions of his children. But the gospel is not just that God has adopted us and thereby hears us and that he adores us and so he hears us. But the gospel is that God hears us when we pray because as we pray, God is apprenticing us for his kingdom work now and into eternity. See, first, God hears us when we pray because he's adopted us. Verse 11 here in Matthew 7 says, Your Father who is in heaven. I mean, this word from Jesus speaking about his own Father 
being our father means that we are children of God. And this is the most fundamental reason that God hears us when we pray, because we're his kids, we're his children. And it's really important that we don't quickly nod and say, oh, of course we're children of God, and move on without recognizing how central and how shocking and how amazing this truth of being a child of God is. You see, the pop quiz I like to give to people often is to ask, how does a person become a child of God? And sometimes because of our lack of biblical knowledge, we may answer the question this way, oh, well, you become a child of God, I guess, by being born. We're all children of God. We're born to be children of God. But that's not what the scriptures teach us. The scriptures teach us that we are made in the image of God. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 tells us. But being made in the image of God, having the likeness of God in us, is not the same as being his children. Being made a child of God is something that God chooses to do with us as he adopts us. Galatians chapter 4, 4, Paul says these words, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. And if a son or daughter, then an heir through God. As I read that, I again and again used the language of son and daughter. As you read Galatians 4, you'll see it's singularly the language of son, which is meant to be a connection between the fact that Jesus is the only begotten son of God and now we've been made sons of God. But the truth is, male or female, son or daughter, we have been made heirs of God because he's adopted us into his family. You see, it's, it's vital that we understand that we're made children of God by his adopting work. We didn't start as children, but rather he's adopted us because this shows us this act of grace on the Father's part. As J.I. Packer writes these words about adoption, he says, in Paul's world, adoption was ordinary of young adult males of good character to become heirs and maintain the family name in the case where perhaps a landowner or a, a, a large household didn't have a son to be an heir. There would be an adoption of a young man of good character. But then Packer says this. He says, Paul, however, proclaims God's gracious adoption of persons of bad character to become heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. God didn't come and choose us because we were the best, because we were the good children, the good potential adoptees. But rather, God came in his grace and love to broken, ordinary people and said, I choose to make you my son or daughter. Adoption is meant to fill our hearts with a sense of gratitude and grace because it was God's choice. I often talk about the fact that my youngest brother, Philip, is adopted. My, my biological brother, Patrick, and I, in some ways, are in an inferior position to Philip because Philip continues to remind us on a regular basis that mom and dad got stuck with you and Patrick, Paul, but they chose me. And this is the truth of the grace and the gospel of adoption. God has chosen us. And this is why he hears us, because we, as John 1, 12 says, those who believed in Jesus, who called on his name, he gave the power to become children of God. When that has happened in our life, then we can know that God the Father hears us. Hears us because he's chosen for us to be his children. And so when we pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, for example, it's important that as we begin, we linger on those first two words, our Father. Because in those words, we find the very core and center of our ability to pray. He is our Father. And therefore, he hears us. 
But he doesn't just hear us because we're adopted children. He hears us when we pray because he adores us. It's not like he made this one decision to adopt us and then regretted it afterwards and said, oh goodness, now I'm stuck with these these strange children. But instead, the gospel tells us that he adores his children. He loves us. And he listens to our prayers as a loving father. Verses 9 and 10. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? I mean, it's a rhetorical question. The answer to the question is no father does this, or at least no father that we know of should do this. An earthly father knows to give good gifts to his children. And it begins to answer the question that often gets raised as we discuss the question of prayer, of what about those unanswered prayers? If God's really adopted us and really adores us and he therefore hears us, then why so often when I pray for certain things do I not see always the answer to that prayer that I'm hoping for? And it's rooted in the fact that the Father gives good gifts, that as an adoring parent, he knows what is best for us. It was like when our Second oldest daughter, Sophie Jane, was really little. She was sort of a, a two-year-old toddler and was obsessed with electrical circuits. Like he just, she loved all the electrical plugs in our house. And I, I mean, we discovered quickly that she was trying to stick things into the electrical sockets. And I ran out to the, the hardware store and, and bought about a thousand of those plugs and we plugged everything up. And of course, that's always the joy afterwards is trying to get them off the socket because they feel like they're sort of hermetically sealed now forever against it. But I remember her frustration when then she'd go to those electrical sockets and find that plug in the way and would work with all her toddler might to try and get that plug off so she could do what she wanted to do with that electrical socket. And she would get so angry and she'd look at us with such frustration. But the reality is as a father, I knew that this was not good for her. And even in her crying out to me. I was answering those cries, but I was answering them as a good, caring father, protecting my child. We see this in prayer so much in our lives. I can think back over all the years I've been following Jesus now, and the number of times I offered prayers that I'm so glad that he didn't answer. You know, I remember as a new believer praying about a girl who had dumped me. And I was so upset. I was a new Christian and this girl had just broken my heart. And I remember crying out to God, oh Lord, use all your power and your might to fix this and, 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 and heal this relationship and, and, and make her undump me. And of course, 25 years later, I praise Jesus that God the Father didn't answer that prayer. Because he knew what was best for me. He knew there was this woman named Monica who was about to come into my life. And so as a good father who adores me, he answered my prayer as may be best for me. That's what the words of our prayer of St. John Chrysostom, which ends this morning prayer service, says. We pray every time we gather that God would take all these petitions and do with them what is best for us. Because he adores us. You know, as we continue to follow Jesus through the scriptures, we'll see him show us more and more of the character of his father. We'll see more and more how this father loves. As, as verse 11 goes on to say, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Jesus shows us through the scriptures that how much more of the father Jesus shows us again and again how this father is more, so much more than even the best of an earthly father. And for those of us who I know have suffered, those of you who suffered in a difficult relationship with your earthly father, part of the reconciliation and the healing and the redemption of those broken feelings that you have towards an earthly father who perhaps failed you in many ways can be redeemed 
And new life can be found as you learn to look at your heavenly father who is so much more than even the best of earthly fathers. Romans 8.31, I know I quote it all the time, but for me it's the center of the character of the father towards us. Romans 8.31 that says, He who did not spare his own eternal son but gave him up for us adopted sons and daughters, how will he not with him give us all things? The Father has demonstrated just how much he adores you and me in the offering of his eternal Son for our redemption, to bring us home, to make us whole. This love of the Father, this adoration that he has towards us is the very center of the reason we can with confidence pray and know he hears us. Not only has he adopted us, he adores us. As 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, for that is what we are. I love how Tim Keller says, the only one who can wake up the great emperor at three in the morning is his own child, his own adored child. And that is what we are. See, we can have confidence that God hears us when we pray because he's adopted us and he adores us. But finally, as we see in this text, not only is it the adoption and the adoration that gives us confidence that he hears us when we pray, but it's the fact that he's apprenticing us to reign with him in heaven and eternity. Let me show you what I mean. Verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What Jesus is saying here is directing us to use this gift of prayer. Ask. Seek, knock, use this gift of prayer. Use it. Speak these words. Offer these prayers. Utilize this gift that I have given you. Use this gift, Jesus is saying, because as we continue to read through the rest of Scripture, we realize that as we use this gift, this prayer gift, this gift of bringing our petitions before the king of the cosmos, bringing it before our Father in heaven, that he is through that act of utilizing our gift of prayer, he is apprenticing us that we would rule with Jesus, our elder brother, over creation in the eternity that is to come. And this is the point where some people may say, does the Bible really say that? Does it really promise that we're going to reign with Jesus? And that's exactly what scripture tells us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, we find one of the most ancient hymns of the church. This is one of the very earliest hymns that the church would repeat as they gathered in worship. And it goes like this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. This saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. That is Jesus. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. See, this early hymn has at the very center that if we endure, we will reign with him. It's the same vision that's given in the book of Revelation where the church is described as gathered around the throne of God, the church having thrones that we sit in, crowns that are given to us. Now again, we humble ourselves before Almighty God and we toss those crowns again and again before the throne and we bow down and we worship him, but crowns and thrones are promised nonetheless, for the church. It goes right back to the very purpose that was given to us in creation. When in Genesis chapter 1, God said to the man and the woman, be fruitful, fill the earth, and have dominion over it. That our created purpose as human beings 
was to have dominion over the cosmos, under the rule of God. But we fell from that grace. We fell from that purpose in Genesis chapter 3. And the whole story of Jesus' redemption has been bringing us back to that very purpose, that we would reign with Jesus over the cosmos. And how does Jesus train us? How does the Father train us in how we will learn to rule with Christ? By having us learn to pray now. Prayer is an act of apprenticeship, us learning now how to intercede for the needs of this creation, that we look at our loved ones, we look at our neighbors, we look at our communities, we look at our world, and we see the brokenness, we see the need in this world. And the Father says, now you bring those petitions to me. You, through your prayers, begin enacting and bringing about God's kingdom now. Prayer is how God is apprenticing us. God, therefore, has given our prayers incredible, incredible authority. Do you realize how much authority you have as an adopted, adored child of God who's an apprentice to reign over the cosmos with Jesus, the amount of authority that your prayers and petitions have is unthinkable. This is the story of grace. See, oftentimes, as we look at this question of us being apprenticed to reign with God, it it begins to answer that common question that's brought up as we discuss prayer of, well, if God knows everything, then why bother praying? I mean, have you ever thought that? Or had others throw that at you? Well, I mean, if God is sovereign, if God sees everything, then why bother praying? The question of God's sovereignty, God's control and purposes over his creation, that God is in charge, should in no way undercut our call to pray. Here's why. Because the Bible presents us with two truths about God's sovereignty and our call to be people of prayer. And the two truths, which can seem contradictory, but that's the gift of the mystery of the gospel. As Charles Spurgeon says, if the Bible in one place says one thing, that is true, and says something else in another place that seems contradictory, that is true. They cannot be contradictory because they're both part of God's word. It is the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery of these two truths is this, that our Father in heaven is totally sovereign over his creation. I know it's hard in a season like coronavirus to grapple with that question of the sovereignty of God, that God is really in control. But the Bible teaches us that our Father in heaven is totally sovereign over his creation and that he grants authority to his children's prayers without harming his sovereignty. Do you follow that? That God is completely sovereign and yet has granted authority to his children's prayers without in any way undercutting his sovereignty. To put it this way, again, to quote J.I. Packer, whenever you're in doubt theologically, it's always wise to go back to some of the theological heavyweights like Jim Packer. J.I. Packer would say this of prayer, that prayer is foreordained as the means whereby God brings his sovereign will to pass. Prayer is foreordained as the means whereby God brings his sovereign will to pass. God is sovereign and his sovereignty, his sovereign purpose is being lived out as his children pray for the redemption of this world. I remember a number of years ago, well, a number of years ago, goodness, my eldest daughter is 17 now, so it was 12 years ago when Annabelle was five. She was going through an I want to do it on my own phase in her life. And I was up in one of our bedrooms in our house. It was a big rectory uh, in, uh, in, in uh, New Brunswick, Canada, just north of Maine, sort of New England. Huge, beautiful uh, rectory. And we were trying to move be- bedroom furniture. And so my five-year-old comes in and she's in the, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it on my own phase. And I said, well, okay, how will we do this? Because I knew that she, well, I was moving dressers and beds and the rest. I said, I know you can't, Uh, you know, I said to myself, I know you can't really do this on your own. 
So I said to her, I said, how about we do this? I'll put my hands on this piece of furniture that we want to push across the room. And you put your hands on top of my hands. And as I feel you push, I'll push too. And so as I put my hands on that dresser and I felt her little five-year-old hands on top of mine, when she began to push with all her might, in no way beginning to move that chest, I pushed as well. And the chest moved across the room and then the bed and then the armoire. And by the end of it, Annabelle ran downstairs shouting to her mother and her little sisters, I moved all the furniture. And the truth is, she did. She provided the push and I provided the power. This is what God has promised as we pray. We give the push and he applies his power to these prayers. Our prayers move heaven and earth now because we are being apprenticed to reign in heaven. So the question I close with is this, friends. In the midst of this crisis, in the middle of these very difficult times, are you praying like an adopted, adored, apprenticing child of God? Are you praying with this kind of confidence? Do you daily bring your needs and desires and concerns before your Father in heaven? There are areas in our lives that if we're honest, we so often skip in our prayers. We don't even include them as we pray because we think those areas of this world's brokenness or my own brokenness or my family's brokenness are so much beyond me, are so out of my control, are so impossible to see fixed and changed. But this is not what the gospel teaches us about prayer. Do we daily pray about this crisis? Do we daily pray about those who are most vulnerable in the midst of this crisis? Do we daily pray for those who are sick and for those who are dying? I close with this, that there's a lot of things I miss in a shelter-in-place moment. And one of them is hockey. The season is over. And, and, and that, that, that's a major piece of my entertainment life that's missing. And I, and I was thinking about this idea of prayer. And I was remembering back to last season, there was a moment when we were at the arena and we had all our kids with us. And up on the screen came a picture of Wayne Gretzky, who was there in the arena. And, and, and I mean, the whole room stood or most of the room stood and clapped and everyone was so excited. The great one, you know, the greatest hockey player ever. And we can debate whether you agree that Gretzky is the greatest. Uh, Bobby Orr is not the greatest. Gretzky is the greatest. Um, but my kids turned to me, everyone's clapping, my Canadian children and said to me, who's Wayne Gretzky? And I thought, you can't say that the Canadian government will take away your passports. Who's Wayne Gretzky? But here's the reason I shared this. Gretzky famously once said that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And that's the truth of our petitions and intercessions before God as well if we're not praying about them, if we truly have been given this gift to move heaven and earth, the prayers we don't offer are not being offered. Will you, with confidence, believe the gospel about your call to pray? When it comes to prayer, what shots are you not taking? How can we have confidence that God hears us when we pray? We can have confidence because of what Jesus shows us in this tiny passage today. That God hears us when we pray because he's adopted us. We're his children by choice. 
And not only has he adopted us, but he adores us. He wants us to bring our prayers. And he will, as a good father, do what is best for these children he adores. But we find confidence in prayer, not just because we're adopted. And not just because we are adored. But because this act of prayer, this work of prayer, this vocation of prayer that he's given to us. Is how he's training us, apprenticing us, preparing us to reign with Jesus over this world. Let us this day believe with confidence in the gospel of prayer. And let us today begin again to be the people of prayer that he's promised we would be. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Because the Lord is my Please join me as we reaffirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Now let us pray the assigned collect of the day. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise that among the swift and varied changes of this world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A Collect for Peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any ad adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A Collect for Grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin, nor run into any danger, and that, guided by your Spirit, we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. And now let us join together in saying the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. A prayer of St. John Chrysostom. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time, with one accord to make our common supplications to you. 
And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will grant their requests. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. We're so glad you joined us for this service of online church this Sunday morning. And we pray again that you will share this with others and will join us again this week to come. Also with our daily evening prayer podcasts, and all the other opportunities we have to study God's word together and join together digitally during this difficult time. As I said at the beginning of the service, though the campus is closed, the church is in full operation with the gospel. Receive this word of blessing as we now prepare for our final hymn and then going into this week before us. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn of praise. forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.